Amen. All right, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open to the book of James, James chapter number one, and we've been learning about genuine Christianity in, uh, in these last few weeks. We've been talking about what it means to have a genuine faith, an authentic, real faith. In fact, the whole book of James talks about being authentic, about being genuine, and we've learned some things thus far. We learned that Real faith endures trials. We said when difficulties come into our life, it is faith that helps us to persevere. It is faith that teaches us patience. It's it's faith that brings meaning to the trial. And you can imagine someone that is going through a difficult time and doesn't understand or have faith. You can see how confusion can set in. You can See how discouragement come, can come into the life of a person because really faith is what makes the difference. Faith is what gives purpose to that trial. But then we also have learned not only that real faith endures trials, but we learned last week that uh, real faith evaluates the temporary. In fact, in a, in a way almost as of a parenthesis uh, in verses 9, 10, and 11, uh, James kind of talks about uh, this idea of what is our perspective when it comes to this life, the, the temporariness of this life, and how real faith evaluates what this life is all about. Well, this morning, we want to learn about how real faith enjoys being triumphant. Now, this is where James kind of closes off this this section, I guess, or this idea of trials. He started the letter writing to people that were experiencing trials in their life, people that had been scattered from their homes, that had been driven away from the place that they had grown up, the place they they knew uh, in their life. And now they're in distant lands and they're facing difficulties and trials in life. And so he's writing to them to encourage them and to remind them of the faith that they received while they were there in Jerusalem. When they were there at church, he, tell, he reminds them, this is the faith that we talked about. This is what we learned about. And now that God has taken you to different places, don't forget that faith. It's that faith that's going to help you and bring purpose to the trials that you're facing. It's that faith that's going to help you evaluate where you're at in life and and how you should look at life, how you should look at life through the difficulties of of poverty, of uh, low social economic uh, conditions, and how you should look at life if God has blessed you and you're doing rather well and you have wealth in your life. There's still a way to look and evaluate what life's all about. And now he kind of closes this whole section on trials with this idea, this truth that real faith enjoys being triumphant in life. Did you know that real faith is always victorious? In fact, there's a hymn that we used to sing. It's an awesome hymn and it's the, the chorus says, faith is the victory that overcomes the world. It's, it's faith that really brings victory into our life. And real faith is always victorious. There's, there's not a time where, where uh, real faith will ever lose its purpose, where real faith ever loses in the plan and the battle that it's facing. Real faith always wins. Now, let me just say that real faith doesn't always mean that things are going to go smoothly. 
It doesn't mean that going through the trial isn't difficult or hard or that it doesn't hurt. It doesn't mean that everything comes out exactly as you're thinking it will or that everything comes out right. That's not what we mean when we say that faith never loses. But what we do mean is that you'll always end up on the winning side when you exercise faith. You always end up on the winning side. Now, let me just say that real faith is always difficult to live. It's easy to understand. It's easy to talk about. It's a whole lot harder to actually live. Kind of reminds me of a guy I heard about that was playing there uh, near the Grand Canyon and got a little bit too close to the edge and slipped. And as he was falling off the edge of the, of the cliff, he was able to just grab on uh, for his life. And he was just kind of there hanging off the side of the cliff. And of course, he was by himself. There was no friends with him. And, and as he's there just kind of hangling, he, he just screams there. He says, help, somebody help me, help me, please. Suddenly, as he's waiting for a response, a voice from out of the sky comes out and he says, do you believe that I can help you? Of course, the man's hanging there by the cliff and he says, yes, yes, I, I believe. Please help me. Please help me. And the voice again said, well, do you believe that I have the power to help you? The man, of course, still hanging on the cliff is saying, yes, yes, you have the power. I believe you have the power. Just help me. And the voice came again. He said, do you believe that I love you enough to help you? The man said, yes, yes, I believe that you love me enough. In fact, because I believe, I know you'll help me because you love me. And then the voice says, well, because you believe, I'm going to help you. Now let go. After a moment of silence, the man looked up again. And he said, is there anybody else up there? You know, sometimes it's easy to talk about faith. Sometimes it's easy to say, yeah, I believe. I know you love me. Yes, yes, God, I know you're there. But when you're hanging on the cliff and he says, let go, I'll take care of it. Well, that's a whole different story, isn't it? We say in English, that's where the rubber meets the road. That's when we find out if our faith is something that we just talk about or if our faith is something that is real. See, James closes this section now on trials, on difficulties in life by sharing with us what happens when you do exercise real faith. Thus far, he's been encouraging us to live a life of faith, explaining what that will do, uh, and giving us a perspective on life during trials, giving us a great perspective on life and how temporary it is. But now he wants to close this by saying, now, faith is going to lead you to victory. It doesn't just give you a good perspective on life. It doesn't just give you good comfort when you're going through a hard time. It actually will lead you to victory in life. So I want you to notice in verse number 12 of James chapter 1, as he, as he gives us this conclusion, notice what he writes. He says, blessed, that it means happy, blessed is the man that endureth temptation. For when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. This morning, we're going to break down that verse and we're going to learn that real faith enjoys being triumphant. How does that happen? 
How does that happen? We're going to learn about that this morning. But before we dive into that, let's go ahead and pause and ask God to help us and His Holy Spirit to fill us as we study His Word. Let's pray. Father, we thank You once again for allowing us to be in Your house this morning. We thank You for the practical truths of the book of James, how we've been learning about faith. And I pray that this morning as we study this passage I pray that, first of all, your Holy Spirit would speak to our hearts and to our minds. And Father, what we hear today would not be our own thoughts, but that what we hear today is your Spirit speaking to us through your Word. That the truth of your Word would enlighten us and illuminate us this morning. I pray that you would fill me with your Spirit as I communicate this message. I pray that I would be able to do it clearly. I pray that if there be any thoughts that you would not have me to share, that I would not share those, but that I would only share what you have laid on my heart and what you would have us to hear and what you would have us to grow in. So, Father, I pray that you would just speak to us now. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, how do we experience faith? How does faith lead to victory in the life of of a Christian. I want you to notice, I'm going to share with you just three simple thoughts on this verse, uh, three simple truths that hopefully you can take home with you today that will show you and show me how faith actually leads to victory in our life. I want you to notice, first of all, the result of real faith. The way that it leads us to victory is by the results it gives. Now, James is writing about what trials do in the life of a person at the beginning of this letter. And we've studied that, what trials produce, but here he kind of gives us another view, another perspective on that truth, okay? We know what it produces. We know what the end result is, but one of those end results, as you look at it, is this, because it's so important for us to understand this. There is an end result of trials, and then there's something that we need to do and know and believe and live during trials. And I want you to notice that the result of real faith in the middle of a trial is that there is happiness during hardships. I want you to notice here in verse number 12 that he says, blessed, and once again, that word means happy. So you can just say, happy is the man that endureth temptation. Now that word endureth, if you're in the habit of underlining words in your Bible or circling, you can circle, underline it. And you can go up to verse number three and verse number four. And the word in verse three and four that is patience is the same word endureth. The only difference is the reason it's translated patience in verse three and four and translated endureth in verse number 12 is the tense is different. In verse three and four, it's like the past tense. It's like what happens as, a, as what is produced by a trial, Okay. Here, the word endure is more of the verbal, the action of it. And that has to do with the current attitude and the current position you are in in a trial. So in other words, James is saying that real faith doesn't just end in joy, but it remains in joy throughout the whole process. Sometimes we look at trials and say, well, when this is over, maybe I can look back at it and appreciate it. Maybe I can find some joy in it when I look back at it. But James is saying, yeah, you'll find joy when you look back at it for what it produced in your life, how it helped you become one that is more uh, enduring and one that, that is a little bit more strengthened. You have fortitude of your faith. 
But he said, not only do you need to look at what it's going to produce, but as you're going through the hardship, there's also joy that you can find in the midst of it. We talked about this a few weeks ago when Paul and Silas were in prison. Being chained up and being in that prison, they were able to sing. They didn't just sing when they got out of prison. They didn't just celebrate when the jailer got saved and changed his life around and his whole family's life around. They were singing even in the midst of being chained up. While they were there in that dungeon, in that prison, they were able to sing. And that's what James is trying to highlight for us once again as he concludes. He says, listen, real faith, there's joy in what it's going to produce, but there's joy as you're going through the hardship. That's what's amazing about this truth about real faith is that it helps you even in the middle of it. It does bring happiness. That's why he says, happy is that man. Happy is that man that in the hardships of life still finds happiness because that happiness is the result of real faith in their life. That's why uh, Jesus told his disciples, look in your notes, Matthew chapter 5. When Jesus was talking to his disciples, he said this, he says, Happy are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. He said, rejoice and be exceeding glad for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Jesus said, you can find happiness even when people hate you. You can find happiness even when people are talking bad about you falsely, when they're lying about you, when they're maligning you, if you will. You can still find happiness through all of that if you have real faith in your life. See, real faith endures. Real, real faith is one that perseveres through the trials. Not only at the end, on the other side of the trial, but even while you're going through. The result of real faith is happiness in hardships. But let me give you a second truth about that. And that is that you don't only find happiness in trials, but acceptance of being authentic. The end result of real faith is not just happiness, but it's acceptance in being authentic. Now, I like it because he says in verse number 12, happy is the man that endures temptation, right? We said someone that is happy during the trial. And then he says, for when he is tried. Now, it's, it's kind of hard to translate this phrase. And I think they did a great job in our Bibles to translate it this way because we, we still use this word tried in this way. What he means by tried, what that, what, what that word means is, is approval of. Okay, so in other words, um, when you are joyful and happy because of your real faith in the hardships, you find that you are approved of through it. You find that there's something real about you in that. You, you kind of learn that about your faith, about who you are in Christ, that there is something that's been made authentic and approved of by God. You've been accepted. Now, we kind of use this term in everyday life. If you ever heard somebody say, oh, man, that guy's tried. He's a tried man. He's got, he's, he, he's got in other words, he's got the, the experience. You usually say this about someone that has already gone through something. They've been tried. They've been tested, we would say. And what we mean by that is that, you know, uh, in the pressure of the situation, he's not going to lose his cool. 
right? We would say he's not going to panic and do something really dumb. He, he's, been, he's been tried through the trials of life. He's been, a, uh, he's been found to be very successful in those moments. He, he's someone that is authentic in that time. And that's simply what James is saying. See, real faith finds happiness during that trial, but also acceptance in those hardships. The, the approval of it. That's why Job, when he went through the trials of his life, this is what he said. It's there in notes. Job chapter 23, verse 10. He said, but he knoweth the way that I take. And when he hath tried me, that's the same word. When he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. Job was simply saying, listen, in, when you have real faith in God, when there is real faith in your life, the result of that faith will bring you happiness in the midst of hardship, and it'll also bring you acceptance of who God has made you to be, the approval, the authenticity of your faith. That, that, that's why the scriptures say if, if you fail in the day that it's difficult, then your faith is weak. In, in the day when Hey, your faith needs to be real, and it's asking something of you. If your, if your faith doesn't come through then, then it's a weak faith. There's got to be more to it than just what you think and what you say. It's got to be something there that's proven in your life. And real faith has this approval of authenticity, this acceptance. Do you know in, in the ancient times, in the times when, of course, this was written and before... The banking system was not like today. They didn't have dollar bills. We all know this. We didn't, they, they didn't have dollar bills circulating at that time. They didn't have paper money. Uh, and even their coin system was different than today's coin system. What they would do is they would get any kind of precious metal, whether it be gold or civil or, or even bronze, and they would get that, uh, that metal and they would melt it down to be liquid. And, and they had uh, these molds that they would pour it in. And they would pour that liquid, whether gold, silver, or bronze, as I said, and they would pour it in there and make the, the mold go, and, and then they'd let it dry. They'd take it out of the mold, and they'd let it dry, and then they would start like kind of chipping at the edges to kind of make it a little bit more round and, and nicer. And the value of that coin was found in its weight. So different metals weigh differently, and so... Uh, they would use balances. And if you read the Old Testament, uh, God talks a lot about a false balance. And what people would do is that sometimes they would, on their balances, put like the plate on the left side would be heavier than the plate on the right side. And, and they would cheat people out of their money when they would exchange their money for goods because their balances were actually off. And, and God hated that. It was, in other words, dis, being dishonest. So during this time, in fact, in Athens, they passed more than 80 laws talking about, hey, you can't, you can't shave too much off. You can't really defraud the system. You, you got to make sure that, that the, the weight of your coins is actual uh, metal. It's, the, it's either real gold or real silver, and, and we know what that weighs. And so if you have a coin this size, it should weigh this much. And, and they try to make sure that, that they were on the level, you know, that they were honest in doing that. And there were certain men that uh, they were the money exchangers that 
began to be known as the Dakimas. They were people that were very honest in the way that they exchanged money, in the way that they handled coins. And that word Dakimas, it, it meant that these were their men that were approved of. They were men that were honest in their dealings with money and the coins that they were there. And that's the word, that's the Greek word here that James uses for when he is tried, when he is approved, when he is honestly there, there's some authenticity to it. You know this coin is real by the way it weighs and by what it, what it looks like on a scale. That, that's how you know. Real faith does that. It gives us some authenticity, some acceptance when we have been tried in those hardships. That's the, the result, if you will, of real faith. James says it's happiness and acceptance. And by the way, don't we live in a world that is looking for happiness and acceptance? Get on social media. You'll find a lot of people that are looking for happiness and acceptance. I saw a statistic in one of the commentaries. It was one of the older commentaries that was written that I was reading. And they were saying that during the Depression in the 30s, People had nothing. People were in line waiting for hours to just get a handful of food, right? They had lost their houses. Many of them were living in parks and tents, and many had lost everything, all their wealth that they had. And they said when they looked up statistically, the rate of suicide in the 30s, it was actually pretty low. And when they looked at the rate of suicide in the current time, and this commentary was written in the 80s or 90s, they said... Suicide was way higher, almost double, than in the 30s. They're saying, it's so crazy that in the 30s when people had nothing, they were still not taking their life. But in the 80s and 90s when they had an abundance of wealth, they were taking their life. You say, well, what, what causes that? It's that they're looking for happiness. They're looking for acceptance. And they thought money and things were going to provide that only to find that it's just a fake. It's a fake coin. Money doesn't bring you real authenticity and approval. It doesn't really bring you real acceptance. It won't bring you real joy and real happiness, no matter how much of it that you have. That's why James has already said, evaluate the temporary. If you don't got much, just remember the goodness of God. And if you have a lot, don't forget the grace of God. Because listen, it's temporary. The result of real faith is, is joy and acceptance. But let me show you secondly, not only does he talk about the result of real faith, but the reward for real faith. I love that James goes on to share how real faith brings about real rewards. It's not just happy thoughts that come to your mind, but rather something real and concrete. James saying there, there, there's something at the end of all of this. There's something at the end of this life that is real and concrete. Something that you will receive. And he says it this way in verse number 12. He says, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life. The first thing that you receive is a crown. Now this crown, the word here is, is the crown that was used as a reward. Not for a king, but the reward as that was, that was used for someone that finished a race in first place. Of course, you know that during this time, the, the Olympic Games were very popular. They still are in today's 
day and age, but we don't, uh, we give them gold medals instead of crowns. But when the Olympics first started, they were actually reward them not with gold and uh, a gold medal, they would give them a crown. And this crown, it was just a wreath uh, that was made out of, uh, out of olive branches and, and they'd put it on their head. And uh, some, of course, emperors had one that was just made out of pure gold. But, but here, James is talking about that crown. The one that you received at the end of the race. It's, it's, a, it's a crown that is earned. Not a crown that is given to you for just being there, but rather one that is earned. In fact, um, the Apostle Paul kind of talks about crowns. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, it's there in your notes. Paul says this about crowns. He says, Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize? So run that ye may obtain. And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. Paul's saying that word temperate, by the way, means discipline, right? Uh, these runners that were running in these races, they were running for a crown. And they, listen, there were things that they weren't going to eat. They were going to get up and they were going to work out. And they were going to take time to practice, and they were going to take time to do all that they needed to do so that they could win a race. And Paul says, this is a picture that I want you to, to see. They're doing it for a crown that ain't going to last very long. It's, it, they're doing it for a crown that's very temporary. But you and I, in our faith and in the race that we call the Christian life, when we get to the end, there's an actual crown that is incorruptible, one that doesn't fade away. One that is going to be lasting forever. Something that is real. Something that you can touch and have. Something that you can get. Something that you can win as a reward for your faith. But can I say that you don't receive the crown for simply having faith, but actually living that faith? And do I get the crown if I just come and hear God's word? No. Now, there is blessings in hearing God's word. And the Bible teaches us that we ought to come and hear God's word because of what it can do for our life and, and how it grows us and how it teaches us. And there's a lot of blessing in hearing God's word. But that's not how you get the crown. The crown of life is by living that faith, that real See, there's a result of faith that he talks about, which is joy and happiness, but then there's a reward, something tangible, something real, and that's a crown. But this crown, he says, and he describes it as the crown of life, not the crown of ruling, but the crown of life. Sometimes scholars will refer to this crown as the martyr's crown. In fact, if you read in Revelation chapter 2, the, uh, the church in Smyrna was under a lot of persecution, and, and Jesus tells the church, those that can persevere to the end shall re uh, receive the crown of life. And, and, uh, and so there it has the context of those that are giving their life for their faith, those that are dying because they are Christians. We call them martyrs of the faith. And so they have the crown of life, but I don't believe that James is talking about that in this context. He's not talking about people dying here. He's talking about a real faith, a faith that, that views life differently. 
not just in giving of their life, but one that looks at this life as something just temporary and something that is fleeting. As if this life isn't real life at all. Can I tell you, when you think about a million years, and if you were to draw a line of what a million years would look like, and you go on scale, right? And if you say, okay, every inch is, you know, one year of life, and you use that scale to, to, to represent a million years, and you put beside it another scale with the same thing, but only a hundred years at the same rate, you'd find that a hundred years hardly shows up. It would look like a little blip. It looked like a little dot on your million-year map. And you say, why do you say that? I say that because that's what this life is compared to the next. It's not even a blip. It's something that if you were to compare it, you can even. It's like a dot on the map. It's nothing. And James says, those that will receive the crown of life are those that realize that this life is just fleeting. It is so temporary. It's almost like it's not really life at all. See, life here in this passage is that which is truly life. Something that's not limited by circumstances. What we call life today, oh, this is real life, is temporary. It really, it really is. It's limited by the breaths that we can take and our heart beating. Because the moment that stops, life is over, we would say, right? It's limited by that. But the life to come has no limitations. You see, real life doesn't have limitations about my heart being able to beat for certain you know, time or, or not limited by the circumstances of life. No, no, no. Real life goes on and on and on. That's why Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and life. Life is something eternal, something unlimited. When Jesus was teaching this principle, when he was teaching this truth, it was in Luke chapter 18. Look there in your notes. Luke chapter 18, verse 29 and 30. Jesus is speaking and he says unto them, Verily I say unto you, there is no man that hath left house or parents or brethren or wife or children for the kingdom of God's sake who shall not receive manifold more in this present time and in the world to come life everlasting. That word life there is the same word used in James, verse number 12. That crown of life, life everlasting. I mean, I'm talking about real life, life that's not limited at all. He said that, that's the reward for real faith. That's the reward. A crown, something real, a life. Something real that doesn't end. Something real that's not fleeting. You know, I do believe that heaven's not going to be the same for all of us. Though we will all be there, no doubt. Though we will all enjoy the presence of God and the glory of God, it won't all be on the same level. Now, thankfully, we won't have a carnal nature that will be jealous of one another. 
But we will find that it will be different experience for each and every one of us. Some, the life that they experience and the crown that they have will be one that is joyous. Not that our joy is going to be found in a crown. That's not what I'm saying. And I don't think that's what James is saying. He's just talking about the experience of that. Of what that life is going to be like. I mean, we can all say here, life is awesome. Life is precious. That's why if somebody starts holding your breath, you're going to start kicking because you, you want to stay alive. But if I say, oh, life is the same for all of us, you would say, uh, hold on. Life for me is a little bit different than you. My job is a little bit different than yours. My family is a little bit different than yours. Hey, life's not all the same for us. And some of us live a little bit better than others. You know, that's what the crown of life is. It's real faith experiencing something that is not limiting. James says, let me tell you what real faith does. Brings you happiness and acceptance. It's the result of real faith. The reward is a crown of life. But then notice, lastly, the, re the recipe of real faith. James ends this section on trials with what it takes to form a real faith. You see, real faith is not found in church attendance, though that is good. It's not found in service to God, though that is good. It's not found in theological debate, though that is good and important. It's not even found in scripture memorization, even though that is important. The psalmist said, uh, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. It's important, but that's not where real faith is found. So then where is it found? Notice how he ends what he writes. He says, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. The recipe for real faith is found there at the end. It's found, first of all, in believing God's promises. You see, in order for you and me to receive the reward, we must first believe in the one who offers the reward. <laughs> Look at Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Listen. It's really, really simple. James is saying, you want to receive the crown? You can receive the crown. That faith that you have in your life, you can attain it. But let me tell you something. It's going to require you and me to have faith and believe the promises of God. You have to believe. It's for those which he has promised to them. You have to believe the one making that promise, or if not, it means nothing. Right? You ever had those bets Right? On a, on, a, on a football game? I bet you a million dollars the Cowboys are going to win. That means nothing unless you actually have a million dollars. Right? If not, it's just like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, okay. Sounds good. That, that's what James is talking about. You have to believe the, the one that's promising you this. That he actually does reward. That he, he does do what he says. That... That right there, believing God, is a recipe for real faith. You see, you cannot have claim to have faith and yet doubt what God says. You can't claim to have real faith, then question if God might be making a mistake in your life. 
You've got to fully trust and believe in all that God has promised. This is why faith is required for salvation. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. For by faith are ye saved through grace. It requires faith, belief. Believing what God has promised. You, you have to believe that you cannot earn your salvation. It says in verse, nine, verse number 9, not of works, lest any man should boast. Our faith, we have to believe, number one, that we, uh, we are uh, sinners, that we, we cannot earn salvation on our own. We must believe that we are terrible and rotten and sinful in our very core in who we are. We have to believe that sin carries with it a price, a penalty. The wages of sin is death. You have to believe that. You have to believe that that sentence is on you at this moment. You have to believe that that sentence, the only way you can get out from under that sentence is through Jesus. See, Romans chapter 5, verse 8 says, But God showed his love towards us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You have to believe by faith, believe in the promise of God, that God said, I sent my son Jesus to die for your sin, that you don't have to pay your death sentence. I have paid it for you. You have to believe that when you confess your sin and ask God to forgive you of your sin and to be your Savior, that He will save you. You have to believe that. Romans chapter 10 uh, it says in verse uh, number um, 13, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. John chapter 1 and verse number 12, But as many as received Him, those that believed on His name, to them gave He power to become the sons of God. you got to believe that. It's faith. Faith. It's required for salvation. Listen, faith. It's required for the reward. It's required for the results that you want in life. It's the recipe for real faith. Believing God. But not only believing God, loving God. See, he's promised this to them that love him. The Greek word here is the Greek word agape. It's the highest form of love. There are different words in the Greek that are translated love in English. The, law, uh, the, the word eros, where we get the word erotica, sensual love. But that's not the word that James uses. There's the word phileo. That's friendly love, brotherly love, like the city of Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. That's the Greek word, phileo, but that's not the word that James uses. He uses the word agape. That's a selfless, sacrificial love. It's really what love is all about. It talks about love being enduring and accepting and giving and kind. You see, real faith knows what it is to love God, to make God, your highest thought and your greatest joy. For him to be your life's goal and the reason for living. You see, real faith finds in him all that we exist for. Real faith. Matthew chapter 22, verse 36. They asked Jesus, they said, Master, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus said this, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. Real faith loves God.
This morning, we see real faith and what it results in, happiness and acceptance. We see real faith and the reward that it brings, a crown of life. We see how real faith is found. It's found through believing God and loving God. So the question this morning is, how real is your faith today? At the end of all this, I believe if James was sitting up here on the platform talking to us about this of trials, at the end, I think he would have to say, so how real is your faith with the trial that you're facing? How real is your faith with how you're living and looking at life? Are you one that's been defeated by it or one that's actually thriving in the midst of it? Are the cares of this life taking you away from your faith? Or are you finding in Christ a real faith that's authentic? One that's producing the right results in your life that has a real reward coming. That's something that you can look at and say, I got this not from my own thing, but just from believing what God has said and from loving God. Because it's real simple today to have real faith. But the decision is up to you and to me. We can either choose today to have a, a real faith that is victorious. A faith that is triumphant. Or we can have a dead faith. But it's up to us. I want to encourage you this morning. Have a faith that's real. Because look what it can do. Look what it's going to bring. Can, can I just say, li listen, it just takes something as simple as believing and loving. I hope you'll choose that today. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. and Thank you for your truth. Oh, Father, how e easy it is to allow the trials of life to overtake us. Allow the trials of life to weaken our faith instead of persevering and strengthening our faith. It's amazing, Father, how we can allow the trials of life to reflect just how authentic and genuine our faith really is. For many of us this morning, Father, we can in a moment of honesty, say that our faith isn't always as strong as it should be. And it might be, Father, that in this year of 2021, we just haven't been as authentic as we ought to be. We haven't been believing you. We haven't been loving you. And because of that, the trials of life hasn't resulted in what we were hoping it would be. Perhaps lack of real faith is why we can't look towards a reward. Because instead of believing the one that's promised that reward, we've just believed what we can see and touch with our own hands. Forgive us, Father. Forgive us if that has been our faith today. Because what we need is real faith. So I pray that you would work in our hearts and in our lives. Help us to decide today that we're just going to believe you and love you.
that our faith is going to be something authentic and real. That others can see, that others can put on their balance and measure and find that what we have isn't something fake, but something real. We're not looking to deceive people, but we're looking to show people. Show people how good you are, how amazing and wonderful you are, how amazing this life of faith can be. Oh, Father, I pray that you would help us to, to live that kind of life, to have that kind of faith. Be with each and every one of us, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.